Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? My company, getfeatured.com, will get you featured on targeted shows, will design you a custom bio page, pitch you to the host, prepare you for the shows, and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.com to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 88 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I have the pleasure of picking the brain of Brian Wright host of the internet radio talk show, Success Profiles Radio, where he has powerful conversations with some of the most successful people in the world. Some of his guests have included award-winning speakers, best-selling authors, business moguls, thought leaders, and even an ex-marine fighter pilot and a two-time Olympic champion. Brian is also the author of the book, Student Leadership Strategies, 21 Easy Ways to Become a Center of Influence in Your Group. As always, here's a little rap I put together for my guest. He's the radio host with the most, but he tries not to boast. It wasn't always roses in red, he was almost dead. From a life-threatening illness, he survived, but not only revived, he thrived. He put his house on Airbnb, now that may seem silly, but he had no choice. From homeless and hopeless, now he's found his voice. Spreading stories of hope, he'll give you a rope. Listen to his show, cause he rocks the mic like a pro on Success Profiles Radio. Now sit nice and tight while I introduce to you the one and only Brian Wright. Brian, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. You are so welcome. No one has ever done anything like that for me before. <laughs> I am wildly impressed. Thank you. Wow. That's a huge compliment coming from you, Mr. Mr. Host with the most. <laughs> no one has ever rapped for me like that. No wonder you asked me all those questions in the pre-call. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I actually, I actually started rapping like, I think it was like five episodes ago. So I think that was like my sixth time rapping, which really shouldn't be happening seeing as I'm a Jewish white boy with uh, with br- with braces living in Israel uh, so so many reasons wow. not to rap yeah um but it's my way of getting out of my comfort zone so I'm I'm going to keep doing it um even you. even though it feels uncomfortable every time um yeah. how many shows have you done so far by the way Brian Oh, goodness. I, I think I'm somewhere in the neighborhood of 230. I've been doing this since January 2012. Wow. And it's a weekly show. I've been I've been averaging about 40 to 45 shows a year. That's incredible. So two, how much? 240 shows? 230-ish. Yeah. 230 shows. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I want to I find out really more about like what you've learned from you know interviewing such highly successful super achievers you've had some incredible guests uh, but before we get into that can you tell us a little bit about your background like what was it like growing up wow well i grew up in a small town in iowa in the midwest where there's lots of corn and beans and farm animals <laughs> <laughs> and so i did not grow up in a big city like i live in now uh, it's everyone knows each other, and mm-hmm. everyone consequently 
occasionally knows everyone else's business. So, you know, small towns, there are advantages because when everyone, when someone needs help, people are usually there to help provide it. For example, during harvest season, you know, farmers help each other harvest their crops. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, two or three farmers might get together and help one of their friends and then they'll just rotate until everyone's is done and it gets done a lot faster and there's a real camaraderie around it and people are just so willing to help each other there's a true sense of community and love and support and that is really really beautiful whereas in a larger city it's a lot easier to be anonymous Mm -hmm. and in some regards it might be a little harder to find people that you can really Uh, become really close friends with because people are a lot more guarded in a city environment especially in these day and times growing up in in iowa in you know the 70s and the 80s it really i look back it 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 was much a much better experience than i think i thought it was at the time (laughs) and i i i understand uh exactly uh how my path unfolded and things always happen for a reason and i'm always thankful i had a chance to go back home in April for the first time in probably six years, six and a half years, uh, because we do Christmas elsewhere. My parents are retired, and so they travel during the winter. Mm-hmm. And so they come to Arizona one year, they go to Florida another year because um, they have we have family in Florida, and so they alternate. And so we are doing Christmas in Arizona and Florida every year now instead of back home in Iowa. So that's why I haven't gotten home uh very often lately but boy what a great time that was so you were a farm boy basically <laughs> yeah yeah basically uh so interesting. my grandparents my grandparents were definitely farmers they were full-time farmers uh whereas my parents both had jobs and the farming bit was a little more of a hobby we had a much smaller acreage but we raised cattle hmm. and we had dogs and we had an acreage where we you know grew corn or beans or whatever we rotated the crops and so we had about five acres that we could grow something on were you always um into public speaking did you always see yourself as as somebody who is gonna you know be a radio show host no i didn't always see myself that way in fact when i was in junior high uh i remember being asked to recite the Lord's Prayer in church in front of everyone, and I, I managed to screw it up because I didn't write it <laughs> oh down. I, I thought I would be cool, and I thought I knew it. I got about <laughs> two-thirds of the way through, and, and I stopped because I forgot, and thankfully the congregation remembered it. Oh, and so I rejoined them when they were at a place that I remembered again. And I remember <laughs> being a little embarrassed by that. And then there was a girl that spoke after me. She had her whole speech written down. So, of course, she didn't stumble or forget at all, but she was reading her speech. Mm-hmm. And I just began to wonder, you know, if this is something that I, you know, could ever be good at. And then when I got to high school, uh, I remember the English teacher talking to me about going out for speech and doing uh, speech competitions. And I was a little leery about it. And she gave me the rule book and she said, Brian, if it helps you at all, there is one event, Radio News Announcing, where you don't have to face your audience. Sign me up. Done. I'm good. (laughs) So you were given a half an hour to prepare a news uh, broadcast, which would last between four and five minutes, and it was timed. I sat in a separate room with a microphone and the timekeeper who would hold up flashcards telling me how much time there was left. (laughs) And the audience was in the other room along with the judge. And when I was done, I was able to look in the room and see that the room was full. And I'm 
really glad I didn't know the room was full, but I ended up doing really, really well. I went to went from districts to state, and I got a one rating at state. And I said, let's do this again next year. And she says, you can't do the same event next year. I said, why not? Because the rules prohibit it. If you get a one at state, you must choose a different event the next year. Now, you can go Stupid. back to this event the year after. Hmm. I thought, oh, now I have to face an audience. But I did. And uh, it, it it was good. It was a good experience. Uh, and I'm really, really glad and so that was in the back of my mind. And I've always had people tell me that they thought I would be really good at radio. And I finally had the opportunity to do this when a friend of mine presented me with this opportunity to do a radio show. And I thought Success Profiles Radio would be a really great name for it because I wanted to interview highly successful people. I wanted to think about it more or less as an e A&E biography meets The Tonight Show in the sense that everyone – uh, who comes on my show gets to promote something. And being mm -hmm. a show about success, I want people to promote something. It's almost like I almost insist on it. If you don't have a, a thing to give away or a book to sell or a course to offer or some value to give, then why are you on this journey to even start with? And I've had people who want to be on my show who didn't really have that. I said, write your book first and I'll be glad to discuss this with you later. And some of them never came back to me. So I guess... I guess that's a good barrier to entry. Mm. Uh, most of my guests have books, but everyone has something to offer at the end. Bring people in your tribe. Give people an opportunity to learn from you further. I think it's a great idea. And honestly, if I'm listening to a show and the topic interests me and I want to learn more about it, I would like to know how to connect with you later. So it's well, a courtesy thing. It's a way of serving and helping people. Hmm. What do you think, I mean, of all the guests that you've had on your show, what, what makes a great guest? I think a great guest has a compelling story to tell. A great guest understands that they have to start somewhere. We didn't come out of the womb just being successful. We, I mean, the, the idea of being born itself is a success, given the astronomical or, uh, odds against it even happening. Mm -hmm. But you have to make something of your life once you're here. And they didn't give up. And there's always a story of overcoming. There's always a story. There's always a, a, a rock bottom moment, a moment of decision where mm -hmm. they decide, I'm just not going to put up with this anymore in my life and they discover and they've learned from mentors and they become world-class good really mm. good at what they do and mm -hmm. the idea being they are ordinary people just like we are they put on their pants their socks <laughs> the same way that you oh, and I do, Daniel <laughs> absolutely and and they don't have this air of I'm a lot better than you because I've done this they're usually really humble people and they genuinely want to help people succeed now, it's not always free. Oftentimes, it's not. But you have to invest in yourself to become the best version of yourself, whether that's time, whether it's money, whether it's giving back. I mean, the act of giving back makes us better people and makes us appreciate what we actually have. And so once you've reached a level of success, do something to help your, your fellow man or fellow lady, as it is. Uh, give them the opportunity to experience the same level of success that you are. But in the end, you actually have to do it. You can't hire someone to do your push-ups for you. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. So basically what you're saying is essentially a great guest is almost like watching a, a movie. It's like watching a Hollywood movie or reading a good book where 
there's a hero, there's a villain, you know, there's obstacles to overcome. And then, you know, the, the hero almost kind of almost dies. Right. But then mm -hmm. just at the end, he, he succeeds. And that's what people love. Like, you know, we, we, we love the story of hope. Um, so what's your story, Brian? My story. Mm. You alluded to some of it in your yes. rap. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, you did. I, gosh, I've as I look back through my life, I actually have been through a lot. I'm not going to say I've been through more than other people have, but I, I certainly think that the experiences that I've had in some respects, the combination of experiences that I've had are probably not like a lot of people have had. Uh, for example, in 2014, I survived a life-threatening illness. I had the H1N1 slide flu virus and pneumonia at the same time. Swine and, flu and pneumonia. Yeah, swine flu wow. virus and pneumonia. It, it was not a great combination. I don't recommend it. But, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting because in the days leading up to my hospitalization, I had almost no appetite. I had almost no energy. I remember doing my show on what was four days before I ended up going to the hospital. It took every ounce of physical energy I had to get through the show, and it's an hour long. Wow. And normally when I'm done, I write my summary, and when the show is available to me from the station to publish, I usually uh, will publish it and write the, the, the show notes and you know hit publish and post it on Facebook. I was too tired to do even that, and so mm -hmm. my show ended at 5 p.m. local time. I went to bed. I never go to bed that early unless there's something really not right. Mm. I went to bed and I slept through the night. And I don't think – I think I did attempt to go to work the next day, but I only lasted two or three hours. And thankfully, my parents were in town that winter, and so they were here. And so I called both of my parents. I got both of their voicemails on their cell phones. Finally, Dad called me back, and I said, I'm not feeling well. This is day five of me just not feeling right. Mm-hmm. And he said, would you like us to take you to a doctor? I said, yes, that would be really great. I knew there was an urgent care near where they were staying. And so I drove out there, went to urgent care, and I was treated for pneumonia. You know, they gave me a pack and some prescriptions, and I thought I was feeling better. They insisted that I stay with them. They drove their RV out from Iowa, and so they were living in their RV camper mm -hmm. for the whole winter, and they love doing that. They go all over the country, <laughs> in, even in Canada. They drive through Canada to get to Alaska. They've gone to Alaska several times. But uh, I stayed with them, and I do remember on that Friday morning, which was the day that I ended up going to the hospital – I woke up, we had breakfast, I had a half a strip of bacon, and I said, I'm full. I, I can't eat anymore. And Dad says, there's still not something right. You need to go back to the doctor. So I drove, and Mom went with me. And I do remember being back in the waiting room, or in the doctor's area, in one of the waiting rooms in the back. And I don't remember my mom coming to the back with me, but I do remember in one moment, her sitting beside me, and the doctor was saying, Brian cannot answer any of my questions in a, with a complete sentence. He, he frequently stops and starts. Uh, there's something really wrong, and we need to get him to the emergency room right now, and I'm calling an ambulance. And Mom and I looked wow. at each other like, what is going on here? So I remember being loaded onto a stretcher. Uh, zooming down the highway in the ambulance. I end up at the hospital. I do remember being in the emergency room, and I do remember the doctor on duty saying, we don't know what's wrong with you yet. It could be pneumonia. It could be the flu. It could be a combination. We don't know, but we're going to run a lot of tests, and you're going to be here a while. 
I said, oh, you mean like a few hours? And she almost laughed and said, no, no, a few days, maybe a few weeks. <laughs> and it still hadn't really hit me what could be wrong. I knew it had to be a little serious if they're talking about keeping me a while. But I, it just the gravity of the situation just was not clicking yeah. with me. And I do have, remember having the RV, the IVs in my arm. And they had mentioned putting together a, a room in ICU for me, but they needed to tidy up and get a room ready for me. And uh, I, much later on, I asked my parents, how long was I in the uh, emergency room? And they said six hours. I said, it really felt like only 45 minutes. And so I must have slept a good share of that time. <laughs> but I do also remember uh, at, at one point, much later when it became apparent that I was going to get better, I had a couple of different medical staff tell me they weren't sure if I was going to live or not. They also told me that they actually put it to a vote as to whether to put me on a ventilator or not, wow. uh, which would have been a breathing tube down my throat. And there were a number of other people in the hospital who also had swine flu. They told me that I was the only one in the whole ICU wing who had this that did not go on a ventilator. Every single ICU patient with the swine flu virus ended up going on a ventilator, including a 26-year-old personal trainer, someone who was in the prime of his life apparently perfect health and i remember praying for that guy i don't i didn't get to meet him i didn't get to talk to him but i thought wow if someone like that mm. could have this then it can happen to anyone and it certainly did but i do remember interestingly enough in the days leading up to this hospitalization i remember reading a couple of transcripts from previous guests because back early in the day i was transcribing all of my shows or getting them all transcribed and two of my guests also were in the hospital for life-threatening situations. One was hit head-on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. Oh I'd love to goodness. talk about it. And the other is a three-time leukemia survivor. They were both told they weren't sure that uh, the doctors weren't sure they would ever walk again or that they might not even live through the experience. And both of them decided not to accept that outcome, and they focused on what their goals were when they would leave the hospital and they fully planned on impacting the entire world and they both are now. And so while I was lying in the ICU in the bed, I remember thinking about those two interviews and I thought, wow, God, how interesting is it that you had me read those two transcript mm. on Tuesday <laughs> and here I am in the hospital now in essentially a very similar situation that the two of those had. So I know that was totally supernaturally guided. And so that reminded me, Brian, focus on what you want to do when you leave. I want to do my radio show. Uh, continue doing that, impacting the world. I want to have more and amazing, great guests. I want to write more books. I want to do more speaking. I want to start hosting live events. The idea of ghostwriting books for people hadn't occurred to me yet, but I'm doing that now. The whole idea is that I wanted to impact the world in a much greater way because I knew that if I was still here, there's something left for me to do in this world. And the final thing that I really, really, really wanted to do was play with the dog again. I, I, I had to I had to be able to play with the dog at least one more time <laughs> before my time on Earth uh, ended because I just my mom and dad have such a cute little dog I love her so much um, but yeah it's interesting what motivates you and gets you going the idea of going home and playing with the dog again really helped wow that's it's an incredible story and for me I keep I keep thinking about how you know your your real story, the, the, the thing that sticks to mind is picturing you as a little boy trying to sing 
you know in the choir and then just yeah. getting completely like lost and choked up and and that same boy ends up literally you know being the host of a radio show interviewing some of the most you know world-class leaders that's incredible and how you yeah. went from from that to to where you are now um Thank and you. At, at one point you you mentioned to me that uh you had to air, like basically rent out your house on airbnb so you yeah. could afford to keep it what what was that all about what happened there well when i bought my condo uh, at the height of the real estate boom, uh, I bought it at what turned out to be the highest possible price. Of course, okay. you don't have a crystal ball and see it then. Right. But I had a pretty good job, and I was making some pretty good money. And I was floating along just fine. And then I ended up losing that job and getting a different job, which didn't pay as well. During that time, uh, before, right before that time, I also decided to buy a rental property, and it was about a half an hour away from the Phoenix metro area in another town, which was experiencing great growth, but as it turned out, there weren't a lot of jobs there. It was more of a commuter city, and so people would live there because it was a lot cheaper, but they would commute to the Phoenix metro area for their work and then go back home. Right. And it, I found that it was difficult for me to find renters who would pay and take care of the place. I ended up giving that up in a short sale. So that was something that I didn't want to experience, but it didn't cause me to give up on real estate altogether. But what ended up happening was uh, I ran into some financial difficulties and the home that I was in uh, was getting expensive. And so rather than take on a roommate, which I didn't want to do at the time, I had learned about Airbnb and uh, learned about how you could rent out your home as a vacation home or a corporate home. And you can often mm. charge more because, you know, especially in the wintertime when the snowbirds come to Arizona, they're willing to pay more for a place to stay for two, three, four months or however long they want to stay. And I had friends that I could stay with, but they had all had their rent to pay and they all had mortgages to pay. And, and the idea of renting out my place was so that I wouldn't have to spend money on rent. And so... Mm -hmm. I uh, ended up sleeping in, I ended up, actually I did stay with a, f a friend for a couple of weeks and he let me stay for free, but I knew I couldn't milk that train for very long. <laughs> yeah. And so I spent part of that winter sleeping in my car. Wow. Yeah. No, I no way. <laughs> yeah, I did. And so here I am, I own a home, other people are living in it, it's covering oh, my, my mortgage and all of God. my expenses. And so here I didn't really have a place to stay and so i i would uh sleep in my car i had two two pillows three blankets on my winter coat and i was just fine my goodness that's crazy well i'm wow. glad i wasn't in iowa because that would have been oftentimes <laughs> zero or below but in arizona you think oh it's you know 35 40 45 mm. 50 degrees a night oh that's manageable well no there's no humidity here it it's cold it's cold. I'll tell you what, you know, 50 degrees in Arizona does not feel like 50 degrees in Iowa or New York or especially in Florida. The humidity makes a huge difference in how you perceive the temperature to be. And so, yeah. And so here, here's the interesting thing, Daniel, because mm -hmm. I, I'm paying to do my show. There, there's a, a financial uh, commitment for me to do my show. And so really the bottom line is, do I pay rent to have a roof over my head or do I pay to build my brand and build my business and keep my dream alive? And I would imagine that 95% or more people would have said, roof over my head, please. Mm. 
I didn't. I kept the show going. In fact, I interviewed Jack Canfield from the Chandler Public Library. I rented a conference room for free. No and way. I was on my cell phone. I, I interviewed him from the Chandler Public Library, and nobody knew the difference at the time. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah. It's interesting, and I interviewed somebody else outside at a park, but I realized in that episode the wind kind of picked up, and so listening back, you could hear a little bit of wind in the background, and I knew the difference, and I resolved to not have to do my interviews outside if I could possibly help it. So that's when I decided to start renting a conference room for free at the public library, and I did that a handful of times. But That's then so when, when my guests would leave, then I would go back home and sleep in my bed and be happy, 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 happy. And, and then more people would uh, sign on to, to stay. And so I would sometimes leave for a month or two at a time. Sometimes people would stay for three or four days. It was just interesting. Hmm. But then, but then. Here's the thing. The HOA found out I was doing this. And apparently, the rules prohibit short-term stays. Mm. And so they sent me a very threatening letter saying, cease and desist, or we can find you and or sue you. What? I've dealt with this HOA before. Yeah, oh, they, they just had ridiculous rules. I think they, their whole thing is they didn't want a transient community. They wanted people who would take care of things and they, they just didn't want short-term renters but mm. yeah and i didn't know if they were just bluffing me or not and i didn't have the resources to fight back and so i had to cancel six thousand dollars worth of future airbnb reservations oh. and uh i i was very upset i cried that day and now i'm thinking what am i going to do and so i realized i was just going to have to put my home on the market for sale and three months later it did sell uh, I didn't get back what I paid for it, but I wasn't underwater because mm. I put quite a bit down when I bought the place. And so that was the end of me owning that property. And I do want to own a home again sometime soon. I'm, I'm renting now with a friend, staying with a friend. So it's all good. And, you know, mm. God takes care of me. And so meanwhile, I've got all of this going on and I'm speaking to the most successful people in the entire world, building my brand. I have clients that I'm writing books for. And so my rock bottom moment is not that far behind me. And so I, I'm definitely on an upward trajectory and I'm learning so much and just open to giving. You know, people think, wow, you know, when I'm at my rock bottom moment, what can I do? One piece of advice that I would give is give to somebody help somebody else because chances are there's somebody around you that's in a worse place than you are so resolve to give of yourself it doesn't have to be money it can be time it can be connections it can be resources but do something to make the world around you better and i swear it will give you renewed purpose and when you have purpose it it energizes you and it catapults you in the right direction so Hmm. Through all of this, Daniel, I'm actually very, very happy. I'm in a very happy place. And I wouldn't trade any of this for the world because it has made me who I am. And I do have goals for my business and for my show and for a lot of things. And I realized that if I want to have the things that I really want in my life, it's going to force me to become someone who I currently am not. I have to grow into the person who is capable of handling the things that I want in my life and almost in every scenario, it requires you to go through the trials first. Be tried mm. by fire, and you'll come out like a diamond in the end. 
For sure. You wrote a book called uh, Student Leadership Strategies. What, when I say the word leader, what comes to mind? Like, what do you think of as a leader? Well, in my book, I wrote about 21 different ways that people can be thought of as a great leader. And I will say that great leaders build other leaders. People think of leaders more or less as managers. And a leader and a manager are not really the same thing. A leader is someone who inspires the people around him or her to be a better version of themselves or to create a better version of the world that they are in. They are welcoming. They welcome other people in their presence. They make other people feel comfortable and welcome in their presence. It doesn't mean that the leader doesn't uh, test you or try to stretch you out of your comfort zone. But what I mean making someone comfortable in your presence, it means that someone wants to be around from you and learn from you and be influenced by you. If you're not likable, you're not going to be a great leader. Do you believe that? But do you believe you could be, you, you, you're born a leader or can you become a leader? I think you can become a leader. I think anyone can learn to be influential. I think anyone can learn to be a good person. I think anyone can make other people feel welcome in their presence. And I think anyone can come up with a vision or a goal for themselves and their team that can be inspiring. Hmm. I would have, I, I, I honestly do believe that. And there are just great leaders also come up with great questions. The, Tony Robbins says the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask. And a lot of the great leaders in society, especially those that have changed the world in disruptive industries, they ask themselves, how, how can this be better? How can, I, I don't like this experience that I just had here. I can't imagine that I'm the only one who feels this way. How can I make this experience better for myself and for other people in the future? You look at Elon Musk, uh, solar energy, PayPal, uh, Tesla, and he's you know, working on the Hyperloop, which I mm -hmm. think is just going to be a fascinating technology. It's going to transport people from place to place uh, much, much more quickly. That's going to disrupt the transportation industry when that's all going. Mm -hmm. I, I'm so looking forward to it. So people like him ask that question over and over again. How how can I make this better for people? How can how can we make this more efficient? How can we make this less expensive? How can we make sure that everyone has access to this technology and not just the elite few who can afford it right now? Hmm. And so why do you think, like, what do you think holds people back from becoming a leader in their, in their space? What, what holds I, people back? I think people's self-limiting beliefs have a lot to do with that. They don't believe that they can. They don't believe that they deserve it. They believe that whatever hand they've been dealt with in life is just the hand that they have to put up with. That's why a lot of people feel stuck. That's why people follow the masses. They're looking at at people who they think can provide them answers, but they're not really paying attention to the idea that the people that they're asking are in the same space that they are. It's like three blind mice continually trying to lead each other around. You're not going to get anywhere. You cannot fly like an eagle when you're scratching with the turkeys. You need <laughs> to follow the eagles. It's seriously, you, you can't. Hmm. So it's, it's a matter of believing in the skills and the gifts that you have. And if you're not sure what your skills and gifts are, ask the people around you who are close to you, who love you and care about you, what do you honestly believe I'm good at? Why do you hang around with me? What do you think I would be really good at? And also, pay attention to the things that people compliment you on. If people continually tell you what a, 
how stylish you always look and what a great dresser you are or how amazing you look, whether it's, you know, in terms of the clothes you wear or, or your physique or whatever, that's a clue that maybe other people would like to learn from you about those things. If people are constantly telling you what a great writer you are, that might be a clue. If someone tells you that you've got a great voice, a speaking voice, that might be a clue that perhaps radio might be good for you. If you always seem to to know what to say in the right situation, maybe careers such as therapist or uh, relationship counselor or or Business clergy, negotiator. who knows? I mean, I'm just throwing ideas off the top of my head, but pay attention mm-hmm. to what people say you're good at and use that as guidance from the universe that maybe you, and if you are hearing this same feedback over and over again from a lot of people, that is called a clue. Do something with that. Yeah, love it. And of all the people that you've interviewed uh, on your show, what would you say is the one thing they all have in common? They take action fast when they have an idea. They don't marinate it on it forever. They gather enough information to get started, and they realize that they can adjust along the way. But they don't sit around and think about it for days and weeks and months, and they don't get stuck in the mode of needing to gather more information. You can gather information, but eventually you must do something. And if you don't do something quick enough, that opportunity that's in front of you might go to somebody else or might never appear to you again. Yeah, no, no, 100%. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with in the past who you know they're just so full of hot air like they say oh yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and then you wait a week two weeks a month two months six months and and nothing happens you know and it drives Mm -hmm. me absolutely batty i can't stand it it's the it's one of the things that that gets me so upset is when you know when people talk about something and they get all excited about it and then nothing ends up happening in the end and it's just it's so frustrating um you know, the, the quickest way to find out if something works is to just do it, right? Do mm-hmm. it and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then you could tweak it or dump it, but at least get on with it. Like, right. Get, get it done. Right. Uh, because time is our biggest asset, right? At the end of the day, we're, we're limited on time. It's the one thing that, that we all have, like all the guests that you've had on your show and all the guests that I've had on my show, you know, they've all got the same amount of time in their day, um, as all of you guys listening to this, right? Richard Branson and and Mark Cuban and you know and and all the other you know people you look up to, celebrities, they've all got the same amount of time as everybody else. Nobody has twenty five hours in a day. Yeah, nobody could buy thirty hours in a day, right? Yes. And so they're all managing to do more in the time they've got. And the question that, that I would ask. And I encourage the people listening to this to ask is what are they doing in their day different to me? Because they've got the same amount of time as I do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Managing your time is so important. And, And here's something that I'm embracing in my own life here recently you have to ask yourself, for example, what if you wanted to, to run a $5 million company? What if you wanted to run a company that generated $5 million of revenue a year? What mm-hmm. habits and what disciplines does a person like that have to have? And how are those disciplines and habits different from what you are currently doing? There are things that there are, they are doing in a day 
And there are things that they are not doing in a day. So ask yourself, would someone who runs a $5 million a year company be doing this right now? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, either stop doing it or source that out if it is part of your business to someone who does it all the time and is better at it than you are. Uh, I think that's so important uh, because there are so many things that can distract us. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Facebook, but it can be a time suck. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Tell and me about it. <laughs> uh, I have to just remind myself: get out of this and do some work, and then come back to it later. If if someone has something very important to talk to me about, they'll message me, and I'll come back to it. It's fine, but block out your time and and take a break. You know, every once in a while, because you'll you'll burn yourself out if you're just grinding, grinding, grinding all the time. Do something good for yourself, but. Resolve to get work done. And here's something else to think about. Know when you are at your best during the day. I'm a morning person. And so I tend to do things that require more intellectual energy at the times when I am most alert. And I choose to do some of my more brainless tasks when I know that I'm not mentally alert or Mm. as alert as I would be at another time of the day. And when I had a specific job... Uh, where I was doing payroll and there was some data entry involved, I resolved to save the the data entry stuff for later in the day and I would do payroll and do time reports and and the more intellectual intensive stuff earlier in the day when I knew I was at my best. And so just know yourself well enough and organize the types of tasks that you are good at during those times where you're most alert. Mm, Love it. By the way, any funny stories that you have, like of guests, like any any weird, awkward, or like really bad episodes, like <laughs> that happened on your show? Yeah, and most of these would have happened during my first year. Okay, I haven't really had I haven't really had uh, a lot of what I would call bad episodes, mm-hmm. but I will say that early on when I was probably a little bit more needy of guests. I'm certainly not needy of guests now. I'm booked out for four months in advance. But I would have the occasional guest who would answer the question and then stop talking. (laughs) I hate that. It's the worst. Oh, I do too. It's like their their answer is one or two sentences long and they would stop. And I would think to myself, are they... Are they really done answering? Really? That's it? <laughs> and then I would ask a follow-up. Anything you'd like to add to that? Nope. <laughs> and I guess once he said, no, not really. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, the episode that I'm thinking about, thank goodness that a friend of mine had recommended her. And he offered to call in halfway through the show and join in. Mm. And I said, yes, that'd be great. And so he joined in for the third segment. My com- my show is an hour long. There are four segments with commercial breaks. And during the final break, he said, is it okay if I stay until the end of the show? And I'm thinking to myself, yes, please. Because <laughs> most of my conversation was with him at that point. And he right. was basically rec- rescuing my episode. And so he stayed until the end. And it was a good three-way conversation. But it was mostly a conversation between me and my friend. I had another episode one time where... Uh, I always talk about how great leaders are those who read because they are continually looking to uh, impact their own growth by seeking input from the masters around them, uh, whether it's a book or whether it's audio or going to seminars or whatever. And so toward the end of the show, I was running out of questions. And so I said, so what influential books are you reading right now? Oh, I don't read. (laughs) That's brilliant. No, you did not. And so I had to fast quickly think of something else to ask. And I got through it. But Mm. 
clearly those are not people that I'm having back on my show. And honestly, I don't even remember all of their names. I'd have to look it up. I mean, I wouldn't name names anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you definitely yeah. have to be quick on your feet as a as a as a show host. You kind of have to like really, you know, because there's some interesting situations where you kind of have to just be okay. What do I do now? You know, like you got to yeah. think fast. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, the more you do anything, the better you get at it. So, right, you know, becomes it kind of, kind of becomes natural after after a while. Absolutely. Um, very cool. So, who was like your dream guest? Like, who is the person that you always wanted to get, and then you finally got them on the show? Darren Hardy. Who's that? Darren Hardy from <laughs> Darren. Success Magazine. Oh, okay, cool. Wow. Yeah. So, and he's written several books. His latest is called The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. Uh, yeah, he was just amazing. And it was not only was the show amazing, but it was hard to get too because. Uh, you have to apply to have him on your show. I mean, people like that, they have a website and they have mm-hmm. a media link and then you, you know, answer a bunch of questions, you know, who's your demographic? How long is your show? How long have you been doing it? Who else have you had on? What is the goal of your show? Just answering a bunch of, you know, yeah. questions that give them an idea of who you are and what you're doing. And then they they said, "Yeah, that'd be great. We'd love to have you have Darren on your show." And so cool. I bought his book on Amazon and I was reading it. And we had this booked out several weeks in advance. And so my show was on a Monday. I emailed his team on the prior Wednesday, you know, five days in advance to confirm, hey, I'm really looking forward to interviewing Darren on Mm. Monday. They wrote back, we are canceling all of his future appearances and we are rebetting everyone because he's been on some shows lately that didn't let him talk about his book. Ooh, really? Yeah. It's like, look, if you're going to have someone like that and they're promoting a book, let them promote the thing they're doing. That's why they're on your show. They aren't there to entertain you. Right. They're there to promote their business, their book. And I had to say they were right because I did listen to a friend of mine's show who had him on. They really didn't spend a lot of time talking about the book. And I thought, oh, you just ruined the curve for everybody. Not Mm. just you, but other people too it wasn't just one person but apparently there were a number of people who were more interested in learning about darren than they were about learning about his book Hmm. and so i decided no no you're not going to block me i bought (laughs) the book i'm almost done preparing for the show and so i wrote back and said i understand how frustrating that must have been and i'm really sorry that that darren had that experience i will say though that i am almost done reading his book I have a show just about prepared for. I've been planning this for weeks. <laughs> if it would make you feel better to show you that I actually do plan on talking about the book, I have a roster of questions I plan on asking. Would you like to see the questions in advance? Oh, that would be terrific. Hmm. And so I sent my questions in advance. Sometimes the, the guest wants to know what you plan on asking, and that's fine. If hmm. I've prepared early enough, I can. If, if you ask for that early enough, I can provide that. And I was happy to do that. And then I reminded them if they want to hear what the show's about, here's my website. If you want to see testimonials of people that Darren likely knows, uh, here's my website with the testimonial page. Mm. And here's the thing. Social proof is so cool. And if, if you are running a business, get testimonials, especially if you've got high-profile people who are enjoying the experience that you provide. On my testimonial page, I have testimonials by Jack Canfield, Jeffrey Gittimer, James Malinchak. Hal Elrod, uh, Dr. John Martini from The Secret, uh, Kevin just Harrington. a whole bunch of people that Darren probably knows. 
And so that's huge social proof because if you can say I've had A, B, C, D, E on my show mm-hmm. and they're all people that, that somebody knows, why would you say no to that? And I really think that was the deal cincher right there is having all those great testimonials from people that he probably already knows plus the fact that I sent questions. And so he came on the show. We had an amazing experience. It was one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> and so not only was he absolutely charming and engaging, but the fact that it was so difficult to get – the fact that they were canceling on me and I had to win it back made it sweeter. Wow. No, I love it. Love it. Love the hustle. So let me ask you this, a little challenge, you know, for, for our listeners. I always like to challenge the listeners. How could they get on your show? What would they have to do? And it doesn't mean, obviously, that, you, you know, necessarily that you're going to accept anybody on your right. show. But right. I kind of want to get the secret ingredients of what do you do to pitch yourself to a host? What, how do you, uh, you know, how do you make it so that, your chances are, are much higher on okay. getting on the Great on question the show. because sometimes people say, hey, I want to be on your show and they don't even pitch me. They just <laughs> message me, hey, I want to be on your show. Yeah, that's that And pitch. my initial <laughs> response is, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's, here's the thing. I, and over the years, I have received some great pitches and I've seen some really horrible pitches. Hmm. So maybe this discussion will help. When I pitch somebody just to give you an example one thing i want to do is let's just say that i want jack canfield on my show who has been on my show like i mentioned earlier i interviewed him while i was sitting in the public library yeah in a conference room but one thing you want to do if you want to get in with somebody is honor the work that they've done hi jack i mean i'm hi i you know let's just say Susie is his admin hi Susie. i i wanted to uh talked about having Jack Canfield on my show, Success Profiles Radio. Uh, I am a huge fan of Jack's. I bought his book, Success, The Success Principles, back in 2005 when it came out. In fact, yep. that is the only book that I read all year. I've gotten so much out of it. I've been a huge fan of all of his work, and I'm really inspired by the work that he does. I've heard him speak a few times, and I, I'm just really uh, – amazed by by his career and his impact in the world i would be very honored to let him share his message and whatever he's promoting right now uh to my audience which is entrepreneurs authors coaches speakers and people interested in bettering their own lives my show is called success profiles radio this is the website if you want to get a flavor for the way i run my show it's every monday at six o'clock p.m eastern and i would be honored if uh, if Jack would consider being on my show, I understand how busy he is. He can come on live at 6 p.m. Eastern on Mondays, or if his schedule doesn't allow that, we can tape the episode anytime that he is free, uh, Monday through Friday, and I will make an effort to make that happen. Please let me know if this is something that Jack would feel would benefit him. That was just totally off the top of my head. But Love see it. what I did there. I acknowledged that I know who you are. Mm. I acknowledged something specific that you've done. I acknowledge that I've been following you for a while, and then I explain my show. And it's mm. not just, hey, I want you to be on my show to you know, put you on my ladder of people that I've had on my show. No, I want you to come on my show so that you can share what you're doing and so that you can make an additional impact in the world. And so it's always about the guest. It's, or it's always about the person you're pitching. So mm. if someone wants to be on my show, please give me some idea that you know who I am and what my show's about. <laughs> 
give me some idea that you've even listened to my show and have a, a clue about what my mission is. If you've listened to my show or if you've read anything that I've written or heard me be interviewed by somebody, acknowledge that. Not that I'm looking for a pat on the back. I just want to know that you're not just a robot pitching me. Give me some evidence that you you know who I am and what I'm about. And mm. then let me know what you're doing and repurpose that to reaching my audience. It's not just I want to come on your show and promote my new course. Yeah, so does everybody else. Why you? <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, what makes you unique? Like, what's your story? That, that That's really what it's all about. For me, anyway, when I get pitched, I'm looking for the story. Like, if you've got a yeah. great story, that to me is, is, is worth more than how much money you've made because I've had people on my show who have made a ton of money, but they're boring as hell because they've got no yeah. story, right? Um, so it's all about the story, and everybody's got a story. Everybody has something that they've done in their life that's really interesting, that's you know that kind of stands out and that there's you know and also what's like the one message that you want to share because i feel like guests come on the show sometimes and they just talk about so many different things that mm-hmm. it kind of leaves everybody overwhelmed and there's there's no you can't really it doesn't stick right when you have one cool message that you're driving home um, it sticks and people remember it and people can actually mm-hmm. practically take it and apply it to their lives. Mm-hmm. So very cool. And if people do want to get in touch with you, Brian, um, and also they want to get a, a hold of your book, what do they need to do? Well, I've got a couple of books on Amazon. Uh, the student leadership book is there. There's also a book called Success Profiles, Mental Toughness and Sales. That is a combination of interviews I've done with Jeffrey Gittimer, Eric Lafholm, and Scott Lopez about becoming a mental toughness champion and becoming good at sales. Those are both available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. You can listen to my show at successprofilesradio.com. They can also download and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And if they want to email me, Brian, excuse me, Brian at briankwright.com. That's Brian with an I, B-R-I-A-N at B-R-I-A-N-K-W-R-I-G-H-T. Dot com if they want to reach out to me for any reason, if they want to uh, talk about collaborating on a project or being on my show or writing a book or hiring me to speak, if they just want to connect and have me work with them in some way, shape or form, I'm open to discussing all. Brilliant. And for those listening, if you want to um, access to those to the resources and the links as well, just go to danielgeffen.com forward slash 88. That's danielgeffen.com forward slash 88. Brian, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain today. And thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.